There's traffic lights in our life that flash stop, right? And if we want to, to live the faithful life, we need to know when to stop. There are flashlights that come, uh, traffic lights that come up to us and say, you've got to wait. We've got to pay attention to those too. Because if we don't wait when we're supposed to wait, and we don't wait how we're supposed to wait, then we, then we crash. But there are also times in life when we need to go. And in Psalm 119, starting at verse 41, I think the psalmist offers us some instructions as to how to, to go. Uh, this week... Um, Stopped at many traffic lights, as I'm sure that you have. I get very impatient when the light turns green and the person in front of me is still on their phone. And so I start kind of tooting my horn a little bit, right? You guys ever do that? Happened to me the other day, and I was becoming rather frustrated and tooting my horn. He wouldn't go and took what seemed like a couple of minutes before he went. We got to the next light. I thought, forget this guy. I'm going around him. I got in front of him at the red light, saw an alert on my phone, stopped to check it. <laughs> the next thing I hear is there's some tooting in my horn from the same guy. I think sometimes in our spiritual life, we get so stuck at the light that heaven is kind of tooting at his horn at us and saying, come on, let's get moving. There, there, are, there are things to do. There are people to love. There are problems to solve. There is healing to offer. And so often, one of the biggest problems in our Christian life is that the light turns green and God says go, but we don't move because we're stuck. And while we don't always hear those horns, there is a frustrated world around us that is not becoming all that they can be because we, the people of God, are waiting at the lights. Does that make sense? So today in this psalm, I think the psalmist is telling us how to go. How to move our foot off the brake and put it on the accelerator. This past Wednesday, I got to speak to uh, about 180 pastors in Brevard County at uh, an, uh, a preparation pastors meeting for an event they're having in the fall. And my job was to talk about um, how to go forward in mission. And I talked from Matthew chapter 9 about how the disciples were in an area, much like uh, our church is kind of in the middle of an, an area, a community. And he says, Jesus went about uh, healing and teaching and doing miracles. The kind of thing that he wants to do in the community around us. And he said that the disciples here were full of, of compassion because they saw all these sheep without a shepherd. And they were motivated by love. And in this community where people are waiting for the church to go, to see the power of God come from people of compassion. Jesus in Matthew 9 says, Because of this, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out more laborers. 
Why does he want to send out more laborers? Because God wants to do more. But the reality is God's not going to do more unless we, as the church, take our foot off the brake and put it on the accelerator, right? Psalm 41, Psalm 119, verse 41, sorry. The psalmist says, let your faithful love come to me, Lord. Then I can answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take the word of truth from my mouth, for I hope in your judgments. The first thing that the psalmist is reminding us about going is in in order to go and in order to give, we first need to get. And we first need to receive this faithful love from God. He says, let your faithful love come to me. I, I need you in my life. He describes this love as faithful, and it's faithful because there's a never-ending supply of it, always available to us that we can receive at any moment. We have to let this faithful love come to us before we can go. He says, let your faithfulness come to me, Lord, your salvation as you promised. And the word promise there is in the, the future tense, right? Looking for, for something to happen. And what the psalmist is doing there is he's pointing to Jesus, right? The picture of God's faithful love. The one who offers us salvation. Jesus is the, the personification of, of the love of God, who won us this salvation on the cross by going and dying for all of our sins, all that we've done wrong, rising again to to crucify those uh, sins and, and rising again to give us life. That's the salvation that the psalmist is talking about hundreds of years before that salvation comes. What the psalmist is saying is that before we hit the break... We've got to first receive this love. We've got to first receive this salvation. My friend uh, Michelle uh, Rigby, who's spoken here a couple of times, you know, the FBI uh, lady. I was talking to her this week on the phone, and she gave me this definition of, of ministry, this expression of, of going that I think speaks to this verse. She said, ministry is giving to others what you yourself needed and received. Ministry is giving to others what you yourself needed and received. And the psalmist is saying the same thing. We live in a world that needs us to go as representatives of Christ and his love. But in order to go, we first need to receive it, right? And we need to receive it because it's what we need. The psalmist is saying, you got to get it first before you give it. And he says, once I've got it, when this faithful love has come to me, then I can answer the one who taunts me. What he's saying is that when I have this love, when I am being driven by love, when the love of Jesus is fully alive in me, 
then there is no weapon that is formed against me that can stand. Those who, who taunt me will have no power over me because I'm first consumed by this love of God. Let your faithful love come. We are constantly in this battle, right? Am I going to give myself to things of the world, to idols of the world, to the stuff of the world, to the worries of the world? And there's all this stuff on one side of that equation. Then the other side of the equation is this powerful love of God. If I've got more of the love of God in my life, then not only am I being faithful to God, but all the other stuff that's taunting and attacking me reduces, right? Let your faithful love come. Because when I have your love alive and active inside of me, then all those things that want to taunt me and want to mock me will disappear. He's saying you receive this love, this, this strength. Because this love is more powerful than any taunts or anything that the world can offer. You know the story of David and Goliath? I think so often we kind of tell that story wrong. We tell the little kids that there's this little shepherd boy, David, right? And there's this great big uh, ugly uh, beast called Goliath. And we paint the story as if David is the underdog. But David's not the underdog because he has got God on his side, right? In that story, it's Goliath that's the underdog, not because David's bigger than Goliath, but because it's the God who loves David is bigger than Goliath. Does that make sense? That's what the psalmist is saying here. Let your love come to me. Then that love of Christ that is in me is bigger than anything that comes at me. That's where we start on this going idea. Some of you may have heard of Lee Strobel. He's a, um, an apologist. He defends the Christian faith. It's his ministry. And so a lot of the times he gets invited to debates to spar with atheists on behalf of the faith. And he's been doing this for a long time and he's pretty good at it. But recently he just stopped doing that because he thought and he realized that Christianity is a whole lot more than just an intellectual battle. He said, I've changed my whole approach to sharing my faith when people taunt me. He says, when someone comes up to me, I will say, if you could ask God any question, what would it be? And so the person will um, answer the question. What he used to do was try and intellectually answer that question. But now he says, I've changed my approach. And instead of giving him an answer to his question, I have asked him a follow-up question. Why did you ask that question? And when he asks that, why did you ask that question? More often than not, it reveals a hurt inside of that person that he ministers to. He's changing his approach from ministering in the intellect to ministering from love. 
Because he's saying it's that when we love people, that we change people. And in order to go into this world, first of all, we have to let God's faithful love come through us as he promised in Jesus. If we want to go before we hit the accelerator pedal, we must realize that we go because he initiates. He continues, verse 44. He's in his car, the light's changed. He's ready to go. He's received the, the love of Christ. To, to sit at the light any longer with all his love to share would be, be foolish and selfish. He's about to hit the pedal. And his first prayer in verse 44 is a promise. And he says, I will always obey your instructions forever and ever. I will always obey your instructions forever and ever. As we hit the go pedal... Part of the responsibility that comes with going into this world to dispense the love of Christ is that we go obeying the instructions of Christ. Now, he doesn't say, I've got it all together. He says, I will. I resolve that as I go, I'm going to follow God's instruction. He's saying that even though I am going to people who are disobedient and into a world that is disobedient, I'm going to go as one who is very different. I'm going to go into some dark places and shine some light. This past uh, couple of weeks, I think I've shared with you, um, uh, my Orlando City ministry has just been really hard. Uh, some of you don't know, some of you do. I'm the chaplain for the team. This past week, they fired like a bunch of people. And it just seemed very unfair. And I tried to love and care through that. And I kind of got through that. And I'm thinking, man, this is so, this is so dark. Do I want to keep doing this? You know, do I still want to, um, you know, serve when there's all this horrible stuff going on? I was reflecting on that for a couple of days. And then I realized, you idiot, that's exactly where we're supposed to serve, right? Our, our job as those who have received the love of Christ is not to go into the places that are sanitized and nice. It's to go into the places that are dark, right? I was thinking, man, maybe I should run away because this is too dark. That is not the call of the gospel, right? The call of the gospel is to accelerate into the dark places. Not to succumb to the way that that's wrong, but to, to follow Christ's instructions, to live obediently to Him in a world that is disregarding His instructions. I will always obey your instruction forever and ever. He's saying, I, I want my heart to follow your heart. He's saying, I need your heart, because without your heart, I don't trust my heart. Well, one of the things I love about what he's saying here when he says, I will obey your instructions, is he's giving us something objective to follow. 
I had a friend once, and forgive me if I've told this story before, we were on a mission trip out in L.A., and he was a recovering uh, sex addict. And he said, I'm going to go and do some ministry in the strip clubs. Do you want to come? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> but there's darkness there. There's people who are lost. I said, yeah, but that's a no. And we talked more about it and why he wanted to actually go in and minister there. And we discovered that his motivation for mission was more subjective than it was objective, right? He, he wanted to go because, uh, you, you know, this was kind of his thing and he felt he needed to be there. When we follow God's instructions, we're committing ourselves to something that's a little bit more objective. Does that make sense? We, we obey God's instructions because when we obey our instructions they don't always take us to the places and the kind of ministry that we need to be in. Does that make sense? I came across this, this quote just this morning. I'll read it to you. It says, Feelings cannot deter be the determining factor, only truth. Until feelings are confronted with truth, feelings will continue to dominate and chaos will reign. I think that's one of the reasons the psalmist is saying we must obey the instructions of God as we go. Because if we go trusting our feelings, we get in all kinds of trouble, right? We go because God's love is initiated. We go to obey God's instructions forever and ever because His instructions, like Him, are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 45, I will walk freely in an open place because I study your precepts. I will speak of your decrees before kings and I will not be ashamed. You know, I think the third thing that the psalmist is saying about what it means to hit the accelerate button. Not only do we go because love has been initiated to us from God, not only do we go to obey the instruction, but we go in integrity. There are two key phrases in these two verses that sit together perfectly and define what integrity looks like. The first one is walk. He says, I walk freely in an open place because I know of your truth. Then he says, I will speak, I will talk of your decrees before kings, and I will not be ashamed. He's talking about walking, the things we do, and he's talking about uh, talking the things that we express. What I think he's talking about here is integrity. That the inside... Um, thoughts of our heart that we speak and that we talk are matching the walk that we're on, right? When there is consistency between our actions and our beliefs, we call that integrity. And I think the psalmist is saying that when we go, we go because God is initiated because we're so loved. We go in obedience, but we must also go in integrity, 
I cannot tell you how much it hurts me when I read something in the paper about some preacher or someone in the name of Christianity doing something that seems so void of any integrity. And I have all kinds of sympathy and all kinds of compassion, and I know there's incredible grace available. But there is much shame that is brought on Christianity when the people of God don't live with integrity, right? And that's why he says here, when you go, make sure your walk and your talk are the same. That's integrity, listen, so that you will not be ashamed. So that you will not be ashamed. The shame that has been brought on Christianity over the years comes because there was a lack of integrity often within that Christian, right? If we walk with integrity, honestly before God, right, obeying His instructions, giving and receiving and dispenses His love, then we need not be ashamed. Our integrity is like this, this precious thing within us. It's so fragile and it can so easily be, be cracked and broken. And I think one of the major calls to the church at the moment and to Christians is to, to protect our integrity. To make sure that our walk and our talk are the same. Because if our walk and our talk is the same, then we will not be ashamed. And then we will be representing Jesus well. And we will be honoring him. We go because love initiates. We go and we obey his instructions. We go in integrity. We go and we dispense inspiration. Verse 47. Psalmist says this. I delight in your commands, which I love. I delight in your commands, which I love. It's kind of saying the same thing twice here. He says, when I, I faithfully go, which is always the call of the gospel, I find myself delighting. It, it fills me with, with joy. And as I'm living in joy, then I love that joy. And because I love that joy, I want more of it. And because I got more of that joy, I fall more in love with it, right? And we get into this, this perpetuating cycle of love and joy, and it's just so inspiring, right? And I think this is a challenge for the church as well. As we, as we hit the accelerate button, let's make sure that as we do so, we are inspiring people towards joy and delight that we love. Now, sometimes the truth hurts. We get that. Sometimes we've got to take a, a step backwards to realize there's, there's pain and sin in our life. But sometimes we have to do that so we can remove that, so we can accelerate to joy. 
The, the, the gospel is about being full of the joy of the Lord, about living in, in that delight, about being inspired in that and inspiring others towards that. There could be no such thing as a dull Christian. It just shouldn't work that way. There's some kind of contradiction. If you see a, a Christian who's, who's, who's always down, who's always hiding, who's always isolating, there's something wrong. Because as people of God who have received his love, we are, are joyful. We are inspired. We go and serve a world by loving and by bringing joy, by inspiring. Sometimes we're at a stoplight too long, right? And God kind of needs to beep his horn at us saying, saying get going. Uh, and we get going as we, we receive this love, as we obey the instruction, as we walk in integrity, as we fuel inspiration, we receive it, we give it. Then he wraps up, and this is where I'll wrap up as well in verse 48. I will lift up my hands to your commands, again, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. This lifting of hands is a metaphor for saying, I surrender. The posture of kind of raising your hand, saying, hey, I got nothing in them that I'm going to fight with. I surrender. The uplifted palms that say, God, I'm here and I'm hungry and I want you to lead and I want you to fill me. I surrender to you. We we go and obey, we go and walk in integrity, we go and offer inspiration and joy. But we go surrendered to where God will take us. We say, God, I don't want to set the course, I want you to do that. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to follow the map. I want to follow your directions. I remember a few years ago, Tracy and I landed at an airport somewhere. I think it was maybe Denver. And we had a quick uh, layover. And um, we need to get to another terminal, right? So I did what my personality does is I run towards the map. And I start studying this map. And Tracy just kind of looks up at the directions and just starts following, right? And I couldn't find where we were on the map, let alone where we needed to go. But she was already halfway there because she was following the directions. I think the same thing happens in our relationship with God, right? So, so often we stop and we say, Lord, let me map this out. Let, let me see where you want to take me, what you want to do. But I'm not sure it really works like that. Following Jesus is much more about following directions than it is waiting and stopping and studying a map. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we, we don't go so often because we want to be ready. We want to uh, set the course and all this kind of stuff. And God is just saying, go. 
He's saying, would you surrender to me? You don't need to be in charge. You don't need to be in control. You don't need to set the path. I've got that. Your job is just to lift your hands to my commands, and I'll show you where you need to go. The psalmist reminds us that sometimes we got to stop. If we, if, we, if we blaze through the light, we can get in all kinds of trouble, right? A lot of times the psalmist reminds us that we need to wait. We need to slow down. We need to recalibrate. We need to pause. But the gospel ultimately is all about going. Going to the least and the lost. Going to the, the dingy places and the dark places. Loving people who've never known this love of God before. Caring for people who have no comprehension of what care looks like. The psalmist said there's a time to stop and there's a time to wait. But there's a time to go. Don't let heaven honk its horn because you're not going when you need to. I don't know where you need to go, but he does. I know that when you need to go, you go in integrity. I know that you shouldn't go anywhere that, that's not part of his instruction. But we cannot not go because God's faithful love has come to us, right? We have to do something with that.